You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. We are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Killifer. Susie Hunt. And we are finally back from our hiatus. It was a much-needed little rest for all three of us. But we are back in a big way with big-budget horror. Uh, Episode 145, The Mummy from 1999. Uh, It's two hours and four minutes, directed by Stephen Summers, who we would know from Catch Me If You Can, Deep Rising, which is a movie I would love to get on here. The Mummy Returns, Van Helsing, which is one I'm glad didn't get on here. (laughs) uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and Odd Thomas. So let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this film. Maurice, we'll start it off with you because I know you're a resident Universal Monster fan, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I like it better than I thought I did. Yay! I still don't think it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It, I don't know. It was more entertaining to watch this time around. Um, the uh, I'll start with the positives. Um, <laughs> I like I said, I thought uh, I thought it was much better than I initially thought it was. I mean, when I first saw it when it first came out, I probably wasn't paying attention to it. Mm. So I actually gave it a good watch this time, and you know, the, I enjoyed a lot of a lot of the parts. Um, the acting was, you know, was pretty good. I, you know, I've Brendan Fraser's grown on me. So, <clears throat> oh, I love Brendan Fraser. Me too. Um, Rachel Weiss is always good. So, I mean, it was just a, it was just a good overall cast. The acting was good. Uh, the the negatives though, the oh, it did not age well. CGI look nice. No, it did not. It was. Uh, I thought Tarman looked better in Return of the Living Dead. Oh hell yeah, he did. <laughs> the, the, Tarman the, still looks the, good. Than the CGI thing, so <laughs> um, CGI mummy. Yeah. Um, it has really nothing to do with the original mummy, other than mm. the and guy was Yeah, the whole <laughs> the whole Romeo and Juliet thing. Yeah, that was about as close as you've got. Um, but. It, it was a, a different fresh take, and like I said, I don't, I, I really did not like the movie, so I, I don't know if I'd watch it again per se, but if I had to watch it, I would watch it again. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Susie, what are your thoughts on this one? I really like this movie. It's, it's schlocky. It's funny. I agree. The CGI did not hold up well. <laughs> um, but I. I don't know. I just, I've always had a soft spot for Brendan Fraser. And I just think this is a great retelling of the story. Um, I love how they have the backstory right, right at the beginning, right at the get go. Yep. And I don't know. I just, I've always liked this movie. This Shane actually watched this with me because he likes this movie too. So maybe that made it a little more enjoyable as well, but I've just, I've always liked this movie. Um, yeah, I love Benny 
I think he's such like he's like the Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, like oh, he's Pet- like sl- he's slimy. He looks sticky, and Kevin no, o- like he's good in everything he's in though. Kevin O'Connor, yeah. he's great. Yeah, um, I also love uh, uh, the act. I oh my god, I should open the bones because I have it on my phone, but my phone is on my <laughs> charger. Um, hold please. <laughs> well, which uh, which character? Um, oh, the Magi. Oh, Ardeth Bay, the guy. Yeah, um, it's um, uh, Odith Fair. Odith Fair, yep. Yeah, and um, I also love Eric Avari and who Winston. You got to get up, give it up to Winston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Winston, but was overall, great. I just I I love it. I love Jonathan Hyde too. I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's another little slime ball in this movie. And I mean, Jonathan is like a bumbling idiot, but he has a heart of gold. He means well. He's looking out for his sister and wants to get the money for himself. And at the end, when Shane and I were watching, he was like, that poor fucking camel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Two people and all of that shit. <laughs> but I just Tur- I I loved it. I yeah, still do. That- See that? Yeah, I'm kind of in that camp. Like it's, I remember watching it in the theater, and just loving it. Um, because I mean, this is one of those, and we we talked we've talked about this on the show many a time. So we'll 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 address the elephant in the room that this is technically not a horror film. This is an action comedy horror. Like it de- it has its toe in the the horror sandbox as it's dealing with horror tropes and a horror staple of the mummy. But everything about it feels like a um like a serialized action movie type of thing like an old timey action yeah um and it's it's fantastic it's a lot of fun it's uh i i love the comedy in it the comedy is cheesy but it's just cheesy enough where it's not dumb you know like the, the moments where like the the mummy roars at brendan fraser and he roars back and then shoots it with the shotgun yeah <laughs> it's it's dumb but it it makes me laugh every time um, or like Winston being like the bumbling drunken pilot. Like, again, it's dumb. It's tropey, but it's really fun. And Jonathan being the bumbling drunk, too. I mean, the first time we meet him, he's laying in a sarcophagus right? and lifts the hand of a mummy up and scares his sister. And then the scene right before that with her, mm-hmm. like, that's comedic as well. The Domino Library. Yeah. Yes, that's what I wrote. The Domino Library. <laughs> it's I don't know. There's just something like this is one of those movies that it's just you can kind of throw it on in the background. It's totally a popcorn movie. You don't have to, you can check your brain at the door. You don't really got to think a lot. It's just a fun flick. Now, all that being said, I'm going to agree with both of you. The CGI is painful at this point. Yeah. Um, like there there are some video game graphics that look better than that, like from from the same era. So. But think of it like this. When that movie came out in 1999, for mm. movies, that was like pretty state-of-the-art CGI. It we was. just evolved so much that, I mean, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have, you know, CGI, you know, oh my God, I'm having brain freezes today. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a rough, it's been a rough week and it's only Tuesday. Um. In in uh, uh not Christopher Lee oh. in Star Wars. Why can't I think of his name? 
Oh, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I'm I'm embarrassed. They totally <laughs> CGI'd him into a movie and it looked like a person. Right, but I argue that in 20 years from now we're going to look back on that and think it looks bad too. Here's right. here's the problem though. Like I got I got two words for you uh that will will kind of sum up why I think going full CGI was a bad idea and it was a film that came before this, Jurassic Park. Jurassic okay. Park still looks good. And the it reason does. is they did that mix of CG and practical. And like, yeah, there's CG in that movie, but it's and, and same thing with Terminator 2. It was CG and practical. So there's like, yeah, there's moments where you're like, oh, that's definitely computer graphics. But it's not like, holy crap, that's a cartoon on screen, you know. And there's unfortunately with the mummy, they decided to go like like they, they got ILM and they went full CG with like the full CGI mummy. Um, well, mummies, I should say. You never go full CG. <laughs> right, exactly. And then, like, the scarabs were, were all CGI. And it's like, you know, they have that sheen, that late 90s CGI sheen to them where everything looks wet. <laughs> so, it, it I don't know. They're juicy because they've been in the mummy for so long, 3,000 right. years. They're still juicy. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I, I hate that part of it. Um, and I mean, we might as well talk about it. The The sequel is even worse with the fucking CGI rock eyebrow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so bad. But overall, like the problems, you know, with the CGI notwithstanding, the film is a lot of fun. And I will argue that this is definitely one of those really fun action movies from the 90s. So I think... Uh, I think this is fun for the whole family, so everyone enjoy. <laughs> but uh, unlike this podcast, which will have a lot of F-words in it. Um, so let's get into the cast. It's a very pretty cast. And I didn't write down everybody, just kind of the main players. Uh, so we have Rick O'Connell, played by Brandon Fraser. Obviously, we would know him from Encino Man, Airheads, George of the Jungle, Monkey Bone, Bedazzled, uh, the other Mummy films, and then most recently, Doom Patrol. Then we have uh, Evelyn Carnahan, played by Rachel Weiss, who we would know from The Mummy Returns, Constantine, The Born Legacy, Black Widow, and one of my favorite bad sci-fi horror movies, Death Machine. Which, oh my god, if we ever get robots back on here, I want to get Death Machine on. It's so stupid. Then we have uh, Jonathan Carnahan, played by John Hanna. He was in The Mummy Returns, Alias, uh, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then we have Emotep, played by Arnold Voslo. Uh, he was in Buried Alive, Hard Target, Darkman 2 and 3. Um, the Mummy Returns, 24, GI, uh, the two G.I. Joe movies, Rise of Cobra and Retaliation, Odd Thomas, and most recently, Jack Ryan. Then we have Benny Gabber, or Garber, played by Kevin O'Connor, who's in No Escape, Lord of Illusions, which we will one day cover, Amistad, Deep Rising, Van Helsing, and G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Then Dr. Alan Chamberlain, played by Jonathan Hyde. He was in Jumanji, Titanic, Crimson Peak, and The Strain. He was, have... also, he was also Cadbury in the Richie Rich movie. Was he? Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. God, Every I have... time I, because when my siblings, which we all know are significantly younger than me, mm-hmm. I want to say Adam and Deanna like, loved that movie growing up. So anytime, and it was always on 
it was before Disney Channel had commercials and was all like tween TV shows. Yeah. But Richie Rich and Blank Check, I feel oh, God, like I were staples that. on that on that network. And we would always watch Richie Rich and yeah. So I always I look at him and I'm like, oh, it's Cadbury. <laughs> See, I remember watching both of those movies with my young cousin, and uh, I saw them once back in the early 90s, and that was it. <laughs> so I don't remember much about either film, but yeah, I remember watching them. Uh, then we have uh, Ardeth Blay, uh, Blay, yeah, Ardeth Bay, played by Oded Fair. Um, he's in <clears throat> The Mummy Returns, Resident Evil Apocalypse, Resident Evil Extinction, Charmed 24, and Star Trek Discovery. Mr. Henderson, played by Stephen Dunham, is in Catch Me If You Can, Get Smart, and Paranormal Activity 4. Mr. Daniels, played by Corey Johnson, he's in Band of Brothers, the first Hellboy movie, Doctor Who, Kick-Ass, X-Men First Class, Kingsman, The Secret Service, Ex Machina, and Morbius. Uh, Mr. Burns, played by Tuck Watkins, he was in Growing Pains, Baywatch, Melrose Place, Six Feet Under, Warehouse 13, and he does voices for Bob's Burgers and The Great North. Shit, who was he in Warehouse 13? Don't tell me he was the lead and I didn't recognize it. I have no idea because I've never seen Warehouse 13. I'm going to look it up while you keep talking. <laughs> it's, it's one of those shows that people have told me I should watch, but I've never watched it. Who was it, Mr. Daniels, you said? Or no, Mr. Burns? Mr. Burns, yeah. Okay, I'm going to look him up. And As then you were. Uh, <laughs> we have Warden Gad Hassan, played by Omid uh, Diali. I think I've said that wrong. Uh, he's in The World Is Not Enough, Gladiator, and Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. And finally, Anak Sunamun, played by Patricia Velasquez. She was in Arrested Development, Rescue Me, The L Word, L Word, and The Curse of La Llorona. So it's it's a it's a big cast, and it's a pretty cast. Like most of the people <laughs> in this movie are good looking people. So it's it's. I mean, not... you could even. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was saying, it's it's not your stereotypical horror movie where you have a bunch of schlubs and one or two pretty people. Right. Whoa. What was that? Motorcycle. Oh. <laughs> Damn crotch rockets. I'm leaving it in. New format. <laughs> um. But yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen this, the basic plot of the movie is an at an archaeological dig in the ancient city of Hamanoptera. They accidentally awaken a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long-lost love. So very basic, very simple. A uh, lot of moving parts, though. <laughs> so yeah. And did you find what you were looking for, Susie? I'm curious. Oh, he's not the lead guy. He was in. He was Nate in one episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just curious. Because he looked familiar, you know, after he lost his eyes and his tongue. Yeah. But. <laughs> He I didn't look at... after he lost his eyes. In his yeah, I don't know. You got to watch Warehouse 13. Don't you're like, I've, I've seen this motherfucker with no eyes before. <laughs> I have to rewatch the series now to find that episode. <laughs> so as previously mentioned before uh, going on our little hiatus, we did talk about a new format and we're still kind of finding our feet on that. So bear with us, folks. Um, it's not going to be 100% like the old format. It's not going to be 100% new just yet. We're still kind of finding our groove um but we do have some changes we're going to move a lot quicker than we used to but because this is such a big film there's a lot of moving parts and it's kind of hard to summarize just like a, a section and be like okay that's good enough so we, we still have there's a lot of little things to cover but as we mentioned a thousand times i wrote in here right off the bat the cgi did not age well at all and because i mean you open up with the big like cgi credits and all that and it's like yeah looks bad 
<laughs> but we open on ancient Egypt where we get Emotep's backstory. So basically, he was in love with Pharaoh Seti's mistress, Anaxunamun. Uh, so <laughs> they get down to the secret hibbity-dibbity. Seti catches them, and they murder him. Uh, the guards are about to catch them. Anaxunamun tells Emotep to leave, and that only he can resurrect her. The guards find her, and, kill, and she kills herself. Emotep and his priests steal her body, take her to Hamanoptra, the city of the dead. And uh, basically, he uses the Necronomicon to try to resurrect her soul and put it back in her body. <laughs> I do have I do have an Evil Dead thing coming up later in the show. <laughs> oh, they totally just lifted a bunch of shit from Evil Dead. From oh yeah, that. yeah. But like one one thing one thing in particular. There's one quote in particular we'll talk about a little further along. There's also a nod to Hellraiser. Oh, I might have missed that one. Well, so I, I I I made it the nod to Hellraiser, but oh. we'll get to that too. Uh, but yeah, so basically he tries to resurrect her, and we get this really bad cgi like water ghost from this like pool of souls that like it comes up like, the... good it looks like a dementor it really does but it looks like it's made out of gel like hair gel and yeah. it just kind of like lays on her like bloop it's just really funny but uh before he can finish resurrecting her the pharaoh's guards break in and stop him before he can complete the ritual so we we now see uh, the guards mummifying Emotep's priests alive, which is pretty fucking gnarly. Like, they're shoving the hook up their nostrils and scrambling their brains. It's like, Jesus, that's pretty gross. Yep. And as and for Emo... Oh, good. He got the hum day. Yep. As I say, he got... Now, I don't understand this. And I, 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 we'll, we'll get to it. I have a question. But as for... Yeah, as for Emotep, like you said, they cursed him with the hum day. Uh, the worst of all the ancient curses. They cut out his tongue... Wrap him in money in mummy wrappings, money, yeah. Wrap him in mummy wrappings while he's still alive. They then put him in a sarcophagus, pour scarabs all over him, and close it up. They sealed everything up with the MacGuffin key and trapped him inside. Now we'll get to the <laughs> MacGuffin key. <laughs> so they they go on to say he'll be undead for all eternity, that he would never be allowed to be released, that he would arrive if that if he was ever allowed to be released. He would arise a walking disease, a plague upon mankind, an unholy flesh eater with the strength of the ages, power over the sands, the glory of in incivility, uh, incivil in oh God, invincibility. I couldn't say that word. Why the fuck would you give him this power? <laughs> like, why did they do that? And they didn't scramble his brain. Right. So I get it. They wanted him to suffer for all eternity as as the undead. So basically, like. You're trapped under the sands. You know you're you're alive. You're not going to see the afterlife. Like, okay, that's a pretty fucked up curse. But now you have to watch him for the rest of, like, eternity to make sure he doesn't come out as, like, this monster god and destroy all of mankind. Here's another question. They didn't take out all the organs. They just cut out his tongue. Mm-hmm. What were in all those other vases? Yeah, I was wondering that too. I was wondering. Okay, I was like, so are those are those the canopic jars of Anaxunamun? Like, because she was mummified, so it's like. But why would they bury hers with him? That I yeah, I was I was wondering that as well. That didn't make any damn sense. But yeah, so okay, there's some plot holes right off the bat. <laughs> and like they're like, ooh, these could be worth a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, partner, these sure will. Sandy organs. <laughs> but we don't know what exactly is in them. And the one is broken, like. 
Right. Nobody wants a broken jar. Exactly. Especially with organ sand in it. Right. <laughs> so now we fast forward to 1923. We see a battle raging on in the ruins of the City of the Dead between the Turig warriors and the French legionnaires led by Rick O'Connell. I'm sorry. At first, it's not led by Rick O'Connell. <laughs> the, the, the leader takes off on his horse. Now and the it's other led guy's by like, you've <laughs> just been promoted. <laughs> And all the while, the Magi watch, who are descendants of the bodyguards of Seti, sworn to watch over Emotep's resting place. So the battle goes sideways. The Legionnaires start to lose. Um, Rick's friend Benny abandons him. He's like, wait for me! Wait for me! He goes and hides in the tomb. Like, fuck you. I have a question. Sure. Here's another plot hole. So this whole sequence, they're fighting, they're shooting, people are falling off of horses. Thank God ponies aren't getting hurt. Right. But then there's this one scene where Rick is kind of like backed up against a wall and he shoots all these guys and they fall off or the like the horses get scared and knock them off. Mm-hmm. And then we see Rick again and then we go back to where everybody was and where'd all the dudes go that fell off the horses? The sand ate them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because right here. Rick gets chased over to the statue of Anubis that's standing right over Emotep's resting place. The Turag warriors get spooked and hightail it out of there. And then Rick is attacked by a sand CGI face before he takes off himself. That's true. He's like, fuck this. I'm out. And the Magi watch are like, the sands will have him. And it's like, no, they won't. So now we cut to Cairo three years later, where we meet Evelyn uh, Carnahan, who is a librarian slash Egyptologist. Um, And we get this wonderful bit of physical comedy that we were mentioning uh, at the start where she's like on a ladder trying to put a book on a high shelf and she realizes it's on the bookshelf that's behind her. So she leans back to go put the book up there and the ladder teeters back and now she's like tottering around like on stilts and eventually falls into one of the bookshelves and it goes like dominoes all the way around the room, knocking all the shelves down. And according to the trivia... That is a practical effect shot that they were like, we got one shot at this. If we fuck it up, it's going to take all day to reset. And thankfully, they got it in one take. Oh, yeah, because nobody wants that job. No. (laughs) Setting up all them books again, like, fuck that. And then when she gets yelled at Mm -hmm. by Mr. Fez wearing Nan. (laughs) By her boss. By Uh, her boss. Terrence Bay, I think is his name. Dr. Terrence Bay. Yeah. He's like, and you will do this. You will put it all back together. Shane's like, she ain't putting that back together by herself. How's she going <laughs> to pick them bookcases up? Right. <laughs> and that was like the old bookcases that they looked like they were made out of concrete. <laughs> like they're right. big ass heavy shelves. She was actually in Hogwarts. Right. <laughs> so now she she goes off into like the, the rest of the museum that she works at. And we get this wonderful jump scare from her brother, Jonathan, who's just laying in a sarcophagus with a mummy. Drunk. So like, <laughs> using, using the mummy as like a plaything to scare his sister. But uh, he gives her the MacGuffin key that he claims to have found on a dig. Uh, he tells her he hopes it's worth something. Like, they don't know it's a key at this point. It's, so she, it's a puzzle box. Mm-hmm. All that, it's a okay. puzzle box. There we go. I, didn't even think of that. <laughs> yep, it's a puzzle box. It's like, do you know how to open it? And she, like, runs her finger around it, and then it clicks open, and there's the map. Yep. So they find the map to Hamanoptra. They have and, such uh, sights to show you indeed. 
<laughs> they really do, actually. And so they show uh, her boss. Yeah, it's, it's Dr. Terrence Bay. I wrote it here. Um, they show her boss the map. And he thinks the whole thing is fairy tales. And ac- quote unquote accidentally burns the part of the map containing Hominoptera as he attempts to get a closer look by holding it closer to a candle. We find out a little later that that wasn't accidental. Yeah, like, he was more concerned about the bookshelves falling than burning of that passage, so you knew something was up. Yeah, this this ancient fucking map. It's like, you'd think that, you know, a, a guy who runs a museum would be super psyched for that, but no. So we then find out that Jonathan lied to his sister and that he didn't get the key off of a dig, but rather stole it from Rick O'Connell at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) So we find out that Rick is in prison for something or other. They never tell us. They just said he had a really good time. Yep. (laughs) Oh, he was looking for a good time. The reason he's going to be executed is because he had a really good time. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Because he goes, he had a good time. And then. They talk to him. Rick basically tells him, like, if you want to get there, get me out of prison and I'll I'll take you there. He tells him, you know, tells him that he knows how to get the Hominoptera. He then grabs Eve- grabs Evelyn and kisses her and then starts beating the shit out of the guards. They beat the hell out of him and drag him away. And God goes, uh, God, Hassan, the, the uh, warden goes, apparently he had a really good time. <laughs> and she uses like. He's telling her that he knows how to get there. And she says something to the effect of, is this flim flam? And I love that old timey <laughs> like jargon. Yep. Is this flim flam? Are you lying? <laughs> so now uh, Evelyn tries to make a deal with the warden, trying to get him to like not execute Rick. And we get this whole like hanging sequence where he's about to hang Rick. Um, you know, he, she's telling him, you know, a hundred pounds. He's like, I'll pay a hundred pounds just to see him hang. It's like 200. He's like, nope. You know, she goes up to 500 and then he's like, what else will you give me? I'm a very lonely man and runs his hand along her leg. She, she hits him with her fan. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of the prisoners start laughing at him. And so he's like, fuck him, hang, you know, hang Rick. So as he's hanging, you know, he's like, oh, his neck did not snap. Now you have to watch your friend suffer. And she tells him that he knows how to get to Hominoptera. And he looks at her and goes, you lie. She goes, I would never. And they're talking back and forth. Basically, she convinces him to let him go, and they'll let him have 25% of whatever they find. Even though... Go ahead, Maurice. Yeah, (laughs) because she says 30, he says 25. (laughs) She goes, deal. Deal! (laughs) Because he he starts at 50. He goes, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, that was good. Yeah, like I said, the comedy is dumb, but it's genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. So they spare his life, and you know, God, uh, God Hassan is going to come with them. Um, so <laughs> Jonathan, Evelyn, Rick, and God get uh, get on the cruise ship and head down to find Hamanoptera. On the ship, we meet the other crew, the Americans, uh, Doctor Alan Chamberlain, Mister Daniels, Mister Burns, and Mister Henderson. Henderson. Uh, they're also looking for Hominoptera for all of its treasures. But they're being led by Rick's old buddy, Benny. He's alive! Uh, yep. And they all bet that uh, they're going to get to Hominoptera first. Don't they so make, like, a $500 bet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, they, they, they think that they're going to get there first because they got a guide. They don't know that Rick knows how to get there. Wait, this was 1926, right? At uh, this point? Yes. Okay, hang on. 
Keep talking. You know, I love oh. the old inflation calculator. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious myself how much that would be worth, because that's got to be a lot. But uh, meanwhile, while this is happening, we see the Magi are sneaking down the river toward them. Evelyn and Rick talk about Hamanoptera. Uh, we find out that he thinks the city is cursed and there's nothing there but evil. And she doesn't believe in that and is hoping to find the book of Amon Ra. She doesn't care about the treasure. She wants that oh. book. Holy <laughs> How much shit. Is it? $8,256.95. The cumulative, cumulative rate of inflation is 1,551.4%. Damn. Well, that, that's, that's a, a big-ass bet. That's a lot of bones back then. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, she goes on to, to talk about the Book of Amun-Ra. We find out that it's a solid gold book uh, said to contain all the ancient incantations of the Old Kingdom. Uh, they also discuss why he kissed her. And I love this because she's kind of smitten. And he's like, I don't know. I was about to die. Seemed like a good idea. Yep. <laughs> she gets all pissed off and storms off. And then uh, Rick and Benny confront each other. And I love it because... Rick threatens to kill Betty, and he goes, think of my children. He goes, you don't have any children. He goes, I might someday. <laughs> and apparently that was an improv. I I love Benny because he's just so slimy, but so funny at the same time. Yep. Because then he starts, like, yelling in Hungarian, and, like, it never dawned on me because I watched it with the subtitles on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And it says yelling in or cursing in Hungarian or something. And yeah. I'm like, Benny's Hungarian? <laughs> like, I thought he was from, like, well, somewhere near there. I don't know, because he speaks a bunch of different languages in this movie. He does, but in a situation like that, the reason I, I thought it was, like, I was, like, Hungarian. Because, well, yeah, probably native tongue. Yeah, because we see later the how, and that part is really funny, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, Benny and his bling. <laughs> his his character is great in Deep Rising as well. Like if you guys haven't seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's again a more CGI nonsense. Like the CGI does not age well, but man, is it a fun movie. Big big monster movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, I love it. I don't it's, know it's, if I've ever seen it. It's one of those like it came out in the mid nineties. I want to say like ninety six. Um but yeah, it's it's uh, like a sea monster movie and it kind of fits right in with stuff like, uh, you know, like the Meg, like that type of that type of tongue firmly in cheek action horror comedy. You know, I, I really enjoy it. But um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Ben, Benny and Benny and Rick. So <laughs> I love this because Betty basically gets thrown overboard by Rick and starts, you know, yelling at him. And he's like, bye, Benny. It just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Magi board the boat and attack Evelyn trying to steal the MacGuffin key. The group fights back. The boat catches fire and everyone has to abandon ship, but not before Jonathan gets the key from one of the Magi. Once like, they're off. It's oh, set on fire. It's set on fire, poked in the eye with a candle, <laughs> like shot at <laughs> multiple. Like this guy just gets fucked up. <laughs> But and, and again, there's there's some of that comedy that's dumb but funny. She stabs him in the eye with a candle, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Starts swinging his knife around. It's very Three Stooges. Yeah, it very, very slapstick. The violence in this, yes, is again very reminiscent of Evil Dead. It's 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 violent, you know, and and horror related, but it's very comical. 
but um, so once they're off the boat, they 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 wash up on two sides of the river and like. <laughs> This is great, too. <laughs> Betty has all the horses. He's like, hey, O'Connell, I have all the horses. And he goes, and he's like, he's what? like, Betty, how does it feel to be on the wrong side of the river? And <laughs> Betty looks around. He's like, son of a bitch. Like, he gets all pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so once they're off, the, the race is on to Hominoptera. You know, Benny and his men, like I said, they have all the horses. Uh, Rick and company get some camels from a market and they get a move on. After some travel time, both groups converge outside the city, which is invisible until first light, which reveals the city of the dead. Then both also, groups. I just right, want to mention sense. that when they jump overboard. Yeah. And get back on land. Evie's like, I don't have any of my tools. I don't have any of my clothes. So while they're purchasing the camels, the local <laughs> women are gussying her up. So she looks like a belly dancer. And that's when, like, her and Rick exchange a glance, and he's like, oh, oh, I'd like to put my King Tut in your Cleopatra. <laughs> Did we lose Mike? No, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I didn't hear him either. <laughs> it got real oh, quiet. Shit. Like, I heard Maurice laugh, unless you didn't oh, think no, it was, I was funny, in which case that's okay. No, I was, I was laughing. Let me make sure my mic is working right. Can you, you guys can hear me still, right? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I laughed. I said, I thought you were going to say, I'm going to put my mummy in your sarcophagus. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I got to get, I got to, I got to get back into the groove. I got to get back on the spot. <laughs> we, we, we had a month off. It's okay. We're, we were all a little, we're, we're a little rusty. We got to shake off the rust. But um, yeah, so they, they get a move on. <clears throat> they get to the, the city, which is revealed at first light, and we see both groups racing toward the city as the Magi watch. Uh, the Americans, once they're inside, the Americans have a huge group of workers with them who immediately start working on getting into the tomb. Meanwhile, Evelyn and the others make their way to a secret burial chamber where she believes they'll find the Book of Amun-Ra, the one that's underneath the statue of Anubis. Uh, now, there's this cool moment with the mirror trick. Like, we've seen this in other movies that involve tombs where... They use mirrors to like bring the sunlight down into the tomb by bouncing the the sunlight off the mirrors. Yeah. Um, we also find out that Rick steals some tools from the Americans because he's like, you know, fuck it, I want to impress Evie, so he gives her tools. He borrowed um, them. Yeah. From an American friend. <laughs> exactly. And we get the uh, <clears throat> the Indiana Jones moment for for God, who talks about how there better not be bugs. I hate bugs, so we know there's going to be bugs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's bugs. Yep. So they make their way down into the chamber, which is the mummification chamber, where we saw the priests getting mummified alive earlier in the movie. And uh, they get into the, the deeper chamber underneath Anubis, like where the feet of Anubis are, at, right at the same time that the Americans do. And they have this little face-off. <laughs> we get the, the repeatedly pulling guns on each other over and over again until Evelyn notices that there's a chamber beneath them and she realizes they can dig up from below to right below the statue. So she's like, oh, you know, pish posh, <laughs> there's enough dig site to go around. So she drags Rick and Jonathan away. Now, they go down into the, the chamber beneath the statue and start digging up. Meanwhile, Gad goes off uh, looking for treasure and he finds what he thinks are scarabs made of blue gold and greedily steals them. 
The Americans are working on opening the chamber at the base of the statue and have their workers finish the job because there might be a booby trap, which, of course, there is. And the workers. What is it? Compressed acid with salt? Compressed salt acid. Salt acid. Here's the thing. Salt acid. It's it's an old timey name for hydrochloric acid. So it's actually that's it was it was. Basically, hydrochloric acid compressed in there to shoot out when the chamber was opened, which is pretty gnarly because as soon as they open it up, it sprays them in the face and their skin starts bubbling. But at the time, like in, you know, the was this 1926, we said Um, they would have called hydrochloric acid salt acid. But there is such a thing as a salt acid, which I think is, is it's a base acid. So it's two different things, though. I actually went down a rabbit hole reading about it. (laughs) Um. So down in the chamber below, Evelyn is waxing on about the mummification process, telling Rick how it's done. And Jonathan is golfing stones about the room. One of the stones hits the ceiling just in the right spot and a sarcophagus drops down in front of them. Evelyn comments that if he was buried at the feet of Anubis, he was either someone of great importance or did something very naughty. Dun, dun, dun. So we cut back to Gad stealing the scarabs. One of them cracks open, revealing a live scarab, which burrows under his skin in a comically bad CGI moment. Yep. It's really bad. And his death is even funnier. (laughs) It really is. So he's freaking out. Back at the sarcophagus, we find out that it's actually Voldemort. Because she... She goes, it's he who shall not be named. And I started cracking up. That's what Shane said. He goes, Voldemort? I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, well, technically, okay. this play takes place in 26. So J.K. Rowling stole that, too. <laughs> I mean, the book was already out. But yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still stand by the, the theory that she uh, she stole a bunch of shit from the movie Troll from Full Moon. <laughs> Because the main character's name is Harry Potter, damn it. And he's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So while they're they're discussing the, the sarcophagus, we see Gad go running by screaming and crashes into a wall and dies. But it was so like, just, <laughs> like you look at him run into it. And in any other movie, he would have been knocked out for like an hour. Yeah. Or, they, or Evie would have pulled out some smelling salts from her bosom. <laughs> and like waved waved them under his nose, and he'd be like, "Oh, you saved me, ma'am." Right. And then but the scarab comes scared. out of his mouth. Yeah, like he. <laughs> Those Egyptians really knew how to make walls. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But later that night, we see the two groups setting down, uh, setting down in their camp, like getting ready to go to bed. And the magi arrive and attack, and we get another big fight scene. They Rick- get bamboozled by the magi. Right. Rick threatens to blow everyone up with dynamite and the Magi call things off saying no more bloodshed, but they have one day to leave this place or die. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so that, that that's kind of the, the end of the first act. Like we, we know we got every, we know we got all the players. We see, we've seen everybody. We know what's going to happen. Like they're, they're trying to, they, we've seen the sarcophagus of, uh, of Emotep. We know it's going to get open. So what do you guys think of this first leg of the film? Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the <laughs> lobby. This is our little intermission. <laughs> I love it. I I like it. It really it's fast paced. Um I'm thinking to myself like when the when the ship is burning again watching it critically. Mm-hmm. Did the captain die too? 
Because the Probably. captain goes down with the ship. <laughs> he was sitting there with the, the band from Titanic. Just playing. And... <laughs> <laughs> with Cadbury. Jumping ship. Hiding in a, hiding in a boat. Right. Pretending he's a woman or a child. <laughs> um, I also question, again, watching it critically, how did all the horses get to safety? I, I questioned that, too. I'm like, did the horses jump? Like, or did they? Because no, I mean, no, an, no animals that? were harmed, so they're not going to mention it. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they had all the horses, so like, how did they get them to jump off the boat? <laughs> you know, like, they're no unicorns. One... Blue. And there you go. <laughs> they're ma- they're magic magic mummy horses. <laughs> magic mummy horses. I like it. I like it. I would like you to draw a magical mummy horse. I, I unicorn probably... mummy horse. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I like the first part. Um, I thought there was a lot of action. Uh, the comedy was pretty good. Cheesy, mm-hmm. you know. But but genuinely funny, too. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I found myself laughing a few times, though. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Maurice is warming up to the movie. No, like <laughs> I said, I'll probably never watch it again, but. Let's put it there, this way. There were some good parts. Better than the Tom Cruise mummy or no? Because I still haven't seen that one. Yes. This is way better than that one. That one is. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, we we clearly know it's not going to be better than the original. I mean, I'm, no, nothing, on. nothing tops what, Maurice. Carla. What was it, nineteen thirty or thirty one? Uh, I think I'm going to consult the bones. Yeah, I forget when the original came out. Thirty two, maybe. Um, yes, it was. It was after Frankenstein. So yeah, I, I will argue. With the uh, the mummy, two thousand eighteen, whatever the hell it was, uh, seventeen. I, I didn't think it was terrible until the ending. I think the ending kind of ruined the movie for me, but it wasn't. Like I I told Mike the other day, it wasn't unwatchable. I'll never watch it again, though. Oh, neither will I. But I, it wasn't <laughs> as bad as terrible as people made it out to be. 1932 is when the Bar- Boris Karloff film came out. I know, yeah. Uh, Maury was uh, on it. 32. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people hated it because the mummy was a female. That isn't why I hated it. I just didn't... I'm not a Tom Cruise hater either. Like, as an actor, as a person, he's a dirty Scientologist. But I think he... <laughs> I think... That got me. I hope you were taking a sip of your coffee. Oh, no, actually, I wasn't. That's a surprise. <laughs> um, as an actor, though, I, I enjoy his work. Mm. I just did not. I don't know. It wasn't the fact that it was a chick as the mummy, because the chick that played the mummy, she's real badass. And I like her as an actress. Mm. Um, I just didn't like it overall. Maybe I was going into it thinking because that was the movie that was supposed to revive the universal monsters, because after that they wanted to make the bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. But the mummy flopped so bad. They had that whole dark universe planned. Yeah. I mean, I loved the invisible man though. I don't even know if that was supposed. Yeah. I thought that was a great reimagining of the HG Wells. I'll be honest. I don't think there's been an invisible man uh, reboot that I haven't liked. I like the old friggin' goofy one with Chevy Chase that was made by um, 
freaking oh why can't I think of his name? John Carpenter. The John yes. Carpenter mummy movie. I like that one. I love the Hollow Invisible Man. Man. What's that? You called, oh, sorry, the, yeah, you called I, him the mummy. I meant to say Invisible Man, yeah. I, I love the John, uh, the John Carpenter one. I love the uh, the Hollow Man. Um, and I, you know, I really liked the new one, too. I thought that was a freaking awesome movie. So I've yet to be disappoint, disappointed by any of the Invisible Man incarnations I've seen. Um, I, I... All the mummy movies I've seen, I've liked too, but I haven't seen the t- the new one. I just, I think I went into it with too high expectations. I think that's what it is for me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I kind of checked out a little toward the end. Yeah. And I liked how the end, and Maurice, you'll know what I'm talking about, how the end set up like yet another film that was supposed to happen. Yeah. Oh, Jekyll and Hyde, was it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 I I knew about that from the, uh, was it Russell Crowe playing Dr. Jekyll? Yeah, yeah, I I did like that, but I just, I wasn't, I was expecting more from like a universal monster picture. Do you know what I mean? I honestly feel like the universal monsters have had a really rough time coming back. Um, Every time they've tried to bring them back, there's, there's been some, some strong points. Like I I think that this is a, a strong example of what you could do with a universal monster. And I think Dracula 2000 was a strong example yes. of what you can do with a, a universal monster. Um, but I feel like, uh, like every time they've tried to redo the Frankenstein story outside of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which I, I still will argue is a solid flick. It's not the best. It's definitely not the best. I prefer the original by a large margin. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's a, it's a solid flick. Come on, Robert um, De Niro. Right. And then honestly, the cast is what saved that movie. Yeah. Like it's, it, it, it's enjoyable. Now I haven't seen I Frankenstein. I liked um, I Frankenstein. I really liked that. Yeah. See, I've heard good things. I haven't seen that one. And what was, what was the one about, was it just called Victor Frankenstein? The one about the doctor? The one with uh, Harry Potter and freaking um, uh, Professor X? I have I have not seen that one. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I think, about, right? yes, I think it is yeah. called yeah. Victor Frankenstein. I have not seen that one. Yeah, I wanted to see that, but I never got a chance to to check it out. But I mean, again, it's another one that got kind of panned. So I feel like every time, <clears throat> pardon me, every time uh, the Universal Monsters try to come back, it just doesn't go well for them. Like the Wolfman was, oh Jesus! I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so glad the Benicio del Toro one. Right? Yes, I yeah. I'm so glad that didn't make the cut. That's one of those ones that I saw in the theater. And I was trying to convince myself I liked it because I love the Wolfman so much. Yeah. And and I loved the cast of that movie. And it was very pretty to look at. Like, everything about it should have been good. <laughs> like, it was, it like, all the pieces were good pieces and it made a gross stew. Like, how did this happen? But it's just, man, I, I watched it the one time in the theater and then I watched it once on streaming and when I watched it on streaming, it was like I, I had to be honest with myself. I'm like, this is hot garbage. Like, this is just really bad. Um, I Again, I like the way the Wolfman looked. I love the actors. I love the setting. You know, everything about it should have worked. And it's just the story and everything about that is just bleh. It's so bad. So, yeah, I am glad that the, the listeners did not pick that one. I think it only got like three votes. So. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised End of Days got as many votes as it did. You know, I was like, damn, okay, End of Days coming in over Prometheus. Look at that. 
You know, Shane, I told Shane what the four movies are this month. And obviously he was like, I'll watch The Mummy with you and I'll watch End of Days. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen End of Days. And he's like, you've seen End of Days. So maybe it's one of those, because I've seen so many Schwarzenegger movies. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just something that I've seen maybe once or twice, like a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't remember because that happens a lot, too, with movies that we watch. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that part. I remember this now. Yep. And th- and that's the thing. Like, I I remember seeing it in the theater. And then I remember watching it once on HBO, like when I was still living at my parents' house, like in the early 2000s. And that was the last time I've seen it. So it's it's probably been at least 20 years since I've seen that movie. I remember very little. Like there's like two scenes that I have a vague recollection of like Schwarzenegger running while the room is on fire. I mean, that could be Terminator too. Ex- ex- <laughs> well, no, cause he was, he was wearing a trench coat. I remember that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, overall it's, uh, I remember it not being a bad film. Like I remember mm-hmm. not really disliking it. So I'm curious to see how it holds up, but anywho. Yeah, we got um, off on a tangent. We're like, this is going to be a more streamlined show. <laughs> Here we are running off on stuff. But let's get into Act 2. So the next day we see the Americans pulling the chest from the, the secret acid chamber. And Dr. Alan Chamberlain reads the warning on the chest, which says, Death will come on swift wings to whomsoever opens this chest. Then we get spooky sounds and inside wind, which causes the workers to run off screaming. <laughs> I have a question about the morning. Okay. So at the very end of Act One, mm-hmm. Jonathan finds that bottle. And he's like, oh, it's a broken bottle. Oh, this is good stuff. Yeah. So Evie gets drunk. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hot as balls out there in the desert. How is she functioning? Like, Jonathan is a pro. <laughs> right. He's like, I'll eat sand and I'm still okay. <laughs> but how is Evie so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? But that's, that's my thing. Yeah, no hangover for her. <laughs> it was just pretty fucked up. But uh, so Chamberlain reads on. He says, there is one, the undead, who if brought back to life is bound by sacred law to consummate this curse. He will kill all who open this chest and assimilate their organs and fluids. And in doing so, he will regenerate and no longer be the undead, but a plague upon this earth. Benny gets freaked out screaming about the curse and takes off running as the Americans open the box. Cut to Evelyn what's in the, the box. <laughs> right. Well, we're about to find out what's in the other box. Because right. e- Evelyn and the others use the MacGuffin key to open the sarcophagus and find a still juicy and rotting Emotep. <laughs> they they comment on them him being juicy. Yep, I'm so glad they used that word instead of the M word. <laughs> exactly. So now they see scratch marks inside the sarcophagus and suss out that he was buried alive. They then see a message scrawled into the lid saying death is only the beginning. I have questions. He was wrapped up tightly. We saw him wrapped up tightly and a swarm of scarabs were thrown on him, which we find out later were eating him alive. Mm -hmm. He was locked away in the dark. How the fuck did he have time to carve a message into stone with his fingers, let alone be able to see what the fuck he was writing? Movie's got a movie. Thank you. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the only explanation. But well, the on. scarabs were kind of shiny, so maybe they were like, maybe there was a tiny hole. <laughs> but in he the was seal. in like in like three boxes and buried under a statue. There were many tiny holes. 
<laughs> and the light was reflecting off of the scarabs so he could see. And he was like, in Egyptian, this is my translation, come little scarabs, chew through the wrapping so I can carve into the into the top. And they he were took- like, emotep, emotep, eat more tep. Yeah, I was gonna more say, but we're we still going to eat you. <laughs> so. Maybe he was a telepath, and he telepathically. <laughs> well, it, yeah, made them do it. <laughs> he made the scarabs. There we go. The scarabs did it. But <laughs> so the Americans dig into the box and find the ne- Necronomicon and some canopic jars. <laughs> um, <laughs> now later that night, a few things happen. Evie notices that the Necronomicon has a lock for the MacGuffin key. She explains the curse of the hum die that it was used on Emotep. And I think this is like the third time at this point that we've been told the curse. So they, they keep repeating that curse. Uh, she then steals the book while Chamberlain sleeps and opens it. Then, like an idiot, reads from the book and reanimates Emotep. All very and evil she, dead. And she says, no harm ever came from reading a book. Uh, evil dead much? <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly what I wrote. Yep. And then I love it because... Chamberlain jumps up and he's like, no, don't read from the book. And he's like, oh, what have you done? Then, so he didn't feel her take the book from him because right. he was cuddling with his other arm with like a teddy bear or something. But he heard her read from the book. Yep. And no! woke up out of a sound sleep. Oh. <laughs> and then we see the first plague. The plague of locusts comes swarming in. And did they eat them workers? Because they were just chilling on Chamberlain. Like, we see Chamberlain covered in locusts, and he's like, oh, what have we done? What have we done? But those workers fucking, they they get swarmed, and then the workers are gone. (laughs) It's like, shit, they got eaten. So uh, the the rest of the, the group runs into the tomb to seek shelter. Mr. Burns gets separated from the rest, and then we get... The Velma moment where he's like, my glasses, where'd my glasses go? Jinkies, I can't see without my glasses. And Benny runs by and crushes them. Um, And then because, you know, he can't see, Emotep gets him. Now we see a swarm of CGI scarabs chase Rick and company, causing him and Jonathan to get separated from Evelyn, who falls through a secret chamber where she finds Mr. Burns, who is now missing his eyes and tongue. She's then confronted by CGI Tep, who thinks uh, that she's an Aksunamun. The others regroup. He tries to give her a little. <laughs> not, not quite yet. He's gonna, though. Oh, no, uh, that's right. Yeah, she's uh, the others regroup with the Americans. We see some workers get eaten by a scarab, by a scarab swarm. Um, they find Evie and the mummy. <laughs> this, gets, this is the part I was talking about where the mummy roars. Rick just roars back and shoots him with a shotgun. <laughs> And they grab her and run. When they leave the chamber, they run right into the Magi, who have Chamberlain and a half-dead Mr. Burns. They explain that they have unleashed the ancient evil that they have feared for over 3,000 years. Yada, yada, yada. Bringer of death will never stop. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, the, the mummy loose, and now they're going to have to figure out how to stop him. And I'm like... Oh, no. Kong. Also, <laughs> I tried to talk like without moving my tongue, like really pressing it onto the bottom of my mouth. Right. He was still much too easy to understand for not having a tongue. Like, you oh, yeah. just take the tip just to see how it feels. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the thing we saw in People Under the Stairs. Roach lost his tongue. He couldn't say shit. 
Right. So come on now. <laughs> so why wasn't why wasn't he talking like Roach? Exactly. Just kind of grunting. You know, didn't make any sense. But I have a problem here. The Magi are pissed. They're like, we now have to find a way to stop him. You know, stop what you've unleashed. I'm like, you had 3,000 years to think about how you would stop him if he ever got unleashed. Why weren't you guys prepared? You're, you're kind of a piss- too busy watching him. Yeah, I was going to say, they're piss poor guardians. That, that's not, they're not good at their job. They were like, oh, this job's easy. They were just sitting back thinking they had it easy. Like fuckers. <laughs> but... <laughs> So Benny runs into Emotep, and now this is the... <laughs> I love this scene. The Benny Bling scene you were talking about. You want to you go for it? <laughs> so Emotep is, like, walking toward Benny, and he's, like, reaching into his shirt, and he pulls out a crucifix, or a cross. I'm sorry, yep. not a crucifix. He pulls out a cross and starts saying a prayer, and Emotep keeps coming. So then he pulls out, like, a Buddha and starts speaking Mandarin. But in the yeah. subtitles, it says Chinese. Mm-hmm. But then he pulls out, like, he pulls out a couple other things. And then he pulls out a Star of David and starts speaking Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And Emotep is like, oh, the tongue of the slaves. <laughs> and he decides Benny can help him and shows him some gold. And Benny is like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Like he's like all it took. Yes, exactly. And I'm picturing that meme. You <laughs> son of a bitch, I'm in. So it's like you just saw this thing, like take a take a shotgun blast and live. You know, it it's like a, a walking corpse coming at you, and you're just like, Oh, you got gold? Yeah, no, nah, I'll kill people for you. It's cool. All right, I'll <laughs> say I'm Jewish. I'll be a slave. It's all good. This is twenty six though. Gold was big. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, as we'll see, like, a little further along in Act 3. Yeah. (laughs) So now the rest of the characters escape the City of the Dead. Now we cut to Fort Bryden, uh, where we see Rick trying to convince Evie to leave, while she's trying to convince him that they need to stay and stop the mummy. Rick is like, enough with this, goes off to drink with the others, and wait for the ride out of there in the morning. Meanwhile, Benny leads Emotep to Fort, uh, what did I call it, Fort Bryden, um, to, to meet with Mr. Burns. Now, Emotep's, like, all wrapped up in, like, robes, and he has a face mask on, and Benny is telling him it's it's Prince Emotep who needs to talk to him. And Mr. Burns is like, I'm sorry, I knocked over my tea. Like, it's just like, what the fuck? Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I got I no got, tongue. I have no tongue. I have no tongue. So, I have no eyes. I have no arms. Benny slowly makes him realize that you know, uh, he goes, what does he say? Something like, Prince Emotep thanks you for your eyes and your tongue, but now he must finish the job. And Mr. Burns starts freaking out. Emotep takes off his mask and to, to reveal CGI tep. And he oh. assimilates his organs and fluids. Yum, yum. CG tep. CG tep. Sounds like a rapper. CG tep. CG tep. So, and while down in the bar, all of the booze and the water in the fountain turn to blood. Rick realizes that the mummy is there and runs to get Evelyn. He finds her and then, boom, there's another curse as hail and fire rain from the sky. And everyone's, um, like, flying all over the place and screaming. Yep. Then the group hear the mummy roar and run in ready for a fight and find him regenerated even more after having consumed Mr. Burns. Rick shoots him with no luck. Emotep throws him across the room and goes to give Evelyn a big old dusty kiss but then sees a kitty cat and pieces the fuck out in a swirl of screaming sand. 
<laughs> so the only protection is that everyone in the goddamn world has to have a cat with them at all times. <laughs> right. Exactly. What, what did you say, Maurice? What was up with the cat? <laughs> what would you say? What is up with the cat? Mm-hmm. Well, we find out later that uh, it's because cats are the guardians of the underworld. So until he's fully regenerated, he's going to fear them in thinking that they'll drag him back to the underworld. Oh, I thought he was just allergic. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I also have questions about that because they're like, okay, so, so he fears them because he's going to be dragged back to the underworld by the, the guardians of the underworld. But he wasn't in the underworld as we find out because he was the, he had the curse of the hum die put on him where he was trapped under the sand. Like what? What? <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. So, whatever. Movie's got a movie. <laughs> so, they go to see Evelyn's boss, uh, Terrence Bay, and try to get some answers, but they find him with the leader of the Magi. And Now, this is where we get a bunch of exposition. We find out that Bay is one of the Magi, which is why, obviously, he burned the map. Uh, Rick asks about why Emotep is afraid of the cats, and he gives him that whole guardian explanation. Um... He needs to find a human sacrifice to resurrect an Oxunamoon, and Evie is the target. We then get another curse as an eclipse happens, blocking out the sun. They realize Emotep will be after all the people who opened the chest, so they have to find Chamberlain. Cut to Chamberlain running scared through the streets of Cairo while Emotep watches. Rick and Jonathan uh, head off to find Chamberlain. They find Benny wrecking his room. They shake him down for info and find out he's helping Emotep, and he's looking for the Necronomicon. This, this scene is fantastic <laughs> because so Benny's wrecking Chamberlain's room and he sees Rick and Jonathan come in and he goes to run and Rick just throws a chair at his legs. That's what Shane said. He was like, he threw a fucking chair <laughs> and Benny's like, Whoa! oh, my God. I laugh so fucking hard every single time. Who throws a chair? <laughs> right. Rick. That's, that's why it's El so cuddle. <laughs> But, like, he then grabs Benny and, like, lifts him up to to a ceiling fan like it's a buzzsaw. Like, if he stuck his face in it, like, yeah, okay, it wouldn't be pleasant, but it ain't like it's going to keep going. It would stop. The motors and those things aren't that, that good. Well, I remember, like, when I was a kid, you were told don't ever stick your hands in the fan because it'll cut off your fingers. Yeah, but I did. What if it made him into goulash face back? Well, you weren't alive in the twenties. This is true. What if it Maybe. would turn him into a goulash face? So they were they were sharpened blades like a propeller. Yeah, yeah, that was going to happen. Phantom of the Paradise goulash they were face. Air, they were air propellers. <laughs> helicopter dick, helicopter dick. <laughs> so outside, they hear a scream. They go to look. Benny quickly escapes by jumping out the fucking window. Rick and Jonathan look out in the street and see Emotep has killed Chamberlain and regenerated even more, but he also now has the Necronomicon. It's also really funny because when Benny jumps out the window, there's no glass. It's just no. like a little wooden frame and he breaks it. But the way he falls out of the window, you would think that he would like land on his stomach. <laughs> right. But no, then there's like this close up of him like coming into frame and like looking around real quick and like scurrying like he's in a Scooby Doo cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> like a little rat. He's just yes. like, <laughs> he just takes off. Emotep looks up at Rick and Jonathan and then horks up a CGI fly swarm and escapes as they attack the crowds in the street. So 
Uh, back at the fort, Emotep shows up as a sandstorm and kills and assimilates Mr. Henderson, regenerating even further. He then goes after Evie, like pours in through her her uh, her locked door. He comes her in his sand. Yeah, the keyhole. He pours his sand into her keyhole. <laughs> and then I got a question about this too. Like, why when he went to kiss her, like he we see he has lips at this point. Then he goes to kiss her and his lips disappear and he's just got teeth. Like, why did that happen? That didn't make any sense to me. They didn't have enough money (laughs) to keep the lips on for the smooch. Did he he get... Oh, good. I think he's just Sandman. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Like, did he get horny and they just, like, kind of pulled back? (laughs) I don't get it. It's weird. His teeth are like a little red rocket. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like, (laughs) doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) But Rick and Jonathan get there just in time with a kitty and scare him off. I love it, though, because he goes, Emotep roars, and he goes, look what I got, just holds up the cat, and he freaks out and runs away. <laughs> and a swirl of sand. <laughs> so they regroup at the library, where Evie, Evie tells him her theory that if the Book of the Dead was able to resurrect Emotep, then perhaps the Book of uh, Amun-Ra can kill him. They just need to find out where it's buried. We then hear chanting outside. They look out the window and see legions of citizens covered in, in another plague, of boils and sores. They They're need in some a moisturizer. Yeah, they do. They're in like a, a zombie like trance marching toward the museum chanting Emotep. Emotep. I love when Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but keep going, keep going. <laughs> so so uh, Evie is reading like one of the, the tablets about Hominoptera and figures out the scholars mixed up the placement of the two books. She said that the Book of Amun-Ra is indeed in Hominoptera, but not in the statue of Anubis, but rather in the statue of Horus. So they regroup and try to escape. And all of this because uh, Jonathan goes out to start the car. Like you, <laughs> he jumps out of like these hordes of like sp- horribly sunburned people who need SPF 50 in their lives right. are just marching and chanting Emotep. Like they have like things to kill and like knives and shit. And Jonathan... This is so clever because he's like the drunken, bumbling idiot, right? Right. He like, you see the light bulb above his head <laughs> and he's just like, emotep, emotep. And he starts marching with these people and then they all pass and he just like kind of stops and like is marching in place and still chanting. And then when the entire horde passes, he runs for the car. But how did he fucking turn that car around so fast? Right. <laughs> he he got in and got moving fast. Cause he Benny did. He comes, was like, fuck your lawn. <laughs> well, because Benny comes running out and he's like, Emotep, Emotep. <laughs> you see Emotep see that like Rick and the others get into the car and they take off. So they try to escape, but they're swarmed by a mob of zombies. Mr. Daniels is pulled out of the car. He shoots a bunch of the, the zombified citizens and runs out of bullets. Emotep comes up and kills him, which allows him to fully regenerate. The group Let is the quiet. bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies <laughs> hit the floor. Because they're just driving through. Like Rick puts his foot on the gas oh, yeah. on top of Jonathan's, <laughs> and that is exactly what I thought. That stupid fucking song. <laughs> yeah, he just runs everybody over. One Emotep and me. Two Emotep and me. Three. Emotep and me. I don't know if you want to have that many emoteps in you. <laughs> well, 
well, no, thank you. <laughs> there isn't enough money in the world to give me to have me put three emoteps <laughs> in me at once. There you go. <laughs> I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> Can't bounce back as easily anymore. Nope. Oh, so the group is cornered by the mob and Emotep tells Evelyn to come with him and he'll spare her friends. So she has no choice but to go with him, trying to give the others time to get the book and stop Emotep before he can take her to Hamanoptera and complete the ritual of bringing back a Moon. Benny steals the MacGuffin key from Jonathan. Emo takes Evie and then tells his minions to kill them anyway. Dr. Terrence Bay fights off the crowd while the others escape into the sewers before he's eventually overtaken and killed. So end of act two. What'd you guys think? I liked it. it. Yeah. There's one thing that bugs the shit out of me that uh, was started in this act and then beat to death in the next act. It's the stretchy CGI mouth. Now. Oh, yeah. I know this was relatively new at the time. But this is a trope that we've seen in horror and science fiction over and over and over again, where something screams and its mouth stretches to like crazy inhuman proportions. And like, okay, with a weird ghost, that's one thing. You know, with some kind of weird demon, that's another thing. When it has a human face, it looks silly as fuck. And every time Emotep did it, I'm like, that just looks really dumb. I can't, I just, I hate it. I really hate it. My anaconda don't want none unless you're emotep, son. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, there's I, I think it's a it's a it's definitely a lot of fun action sequences. And in, in the second part, um, you know, the stakes get raised even higher. And, uh, you all know, the Americans are dead. Yep. All the Americans are gone now. I uh, collected on that bet before they all died. Right. <laughs> but I will, I will say they, they made, they successfully made Emotep pretty scary. Like he, he is a good villain, you know, where it's like, he feels very threatening. So I, I like what they did with this character. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't find him very intimidating. Really? I, I liked him. I thought he was cool. I, I he definitely, uh, was not a powerful villain. I don't know. He's he's controlling he brought the plagues of, of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> he just I'm just saying. That's how like, he looked. Maurice like, I can't be intimidated by a man in a loincloth. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he looked he looked like a bald gargamel. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be intimidated by that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, first now snort of the first snort of the new season. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to watch this and not think bald Gargamel. Holy <laughs> shit, that's funny. It, it's hard <laughs> to be intimidated by that. Yeah, he has he has crazy ass powers, but <laughs> when you, I'm just when you, if, if he was coming for you, you'd be like, "Fuck you, Gargamel." <laughs> I would. Gargamel. I'm not Maurice and his legion of Smurfs. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Rick. Oh, my God. Okay, hear me out. Ready? So, Rick, Evie is Smurfette. Papa Smurf is Dr. Bay. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Drunky Smurf is Jonathan. I'm just making up Smurf names now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh, that's good. That fucking bald gargamel. That is fantastic. So we uh, we kick off Act Three with Rick, Jonathan, and Ardith Bay getting the drunken pilot Winston to fly them into Hominoptera. And, and he's just chilling in the middle of the fucking desert underneath <laughs> a tent. Yep. Being fanned while drinking what is probably Irish coffee. And he asks them, like, is there a chance I'll die? They're like, yeah, you probably won't come back alive. And he's like, oh, goody. Like, because he wants to die. And so he straps Ardith Bay and fucking Jonathan to the wings and him and Rick get in the plane and they take off. So Imhotep brings Benny and Evelyn to Hominoptera and a dust devil. This cracked me up because I'm like, so if he turned into the sand and flew them there, that like they, they were in him. That's gross. <laughs> so, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do to get that money. <laughs> yeah, Benny goes what a long way. What would you do if your mommy's at home crying alone on the bedroom floor because he's hungry and the only way to feed him is. To- Get into mommy for a little bit of money. <laughs> oh, but Emotep sees Rick and the others flying in, and now we get the infamous giant sand face scene. And here's the thing. Yes, the CGI did not age well, but it's still a pretty cool fucking scene. Yeah. Like it yeah, it, it doesn't look good anymore as far as like how they made it look with the CG, but the idea behind it. And the action set piece is just a lot of fun. So they're they're flying, and Imhotep like raises the sands, and this huge like tidal wave of sand coming at them. And then we see his face like moving about in the sand, and Rick is shooting at it. And then we see Imhotep roar and open his mouth, and the sand mouth opens up, and they swallow up the the plane and the sandstorm. It's just it's really cool looking. But then Evelyn distracts Imhotep with a kiss, stopping the sand attack. We see the plane go down behind a sand dune and crash. Of course, they're all okay, except for the old man, but it's cool because he wanted to die. Right. It still <laughs> makes me a little, still gives me some feels. It's like he's, he died with a smile on his face. And, but, he did. And then quicksand! I was going to say, sand! why? They were all standing on it just fine. And then suddenly the sand started swallowing Winston and Ardeth was like, oh, it's quicksand, run away! <laughs> it's like, I. So the group tries to follow Imhotep and the others into the tomb, but are impeded by a collapsed tunnel. While they try to dig their way out, Jonathan finds the scarabs that killed Gad, and he picks one up, it hatches, and burrows into his body with more CGI goodness. Rick pulls a knife, cuts it out of Jonathan, and then shoots it. The sound of the gun alerts Imhotep to their presence. He then uses his... Oh, good. Every time Evie thinks that they're close, she's like, O'Connell, (laughs) O'Connell. The the breathy O'Connell. But Imhotep then uses his spooky mummy powers to make mummies out of hieroglyphics and sends them after Rick and the others, which is the last time we see those two mummies. We right. don't see them mummies again. <laughs> well, in our defense, all of the other resurrected mummies look the same. True, but they, they come back, they come out of the ground. And those are actually people in costume, whereas these were just two CGI hieroglyphic mummies. Mm. It, it it's it was weird. I was like, what was... I mean, I, I get the point. They were like, look, more special effects. Um, But Rick, Jonathan, and Ardith make their way deeper into the tomb and find the treasure room, 
where they're attacked by Emotep's, Emotep's now-resurrected priests. So they fight their way to the Horus statue as they're being chased by the mummies. This scene was actually pretty cool, because, like, they're going down this tunnel backwards, like, shooting at the mummies as they're just, like, swarming into the tunnel. It's really, I mean, it's not creepy, but it's it's a, it's an intense fight scene. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Emotep prepares the ritual to sacrifice Evelyn and resurrect the Noxuna Moon. We see Benny is off stealing treasure. Uh, Rick and the others find the Book of Amun-Ra. Ardith stays behind to fight the mummies and tells them to save Evelyn and kill Emotep. Emotep awakens in Aksuna Moon and is about to kill Evelyn when Jonathan runs in with the book. <laughs> the book of Amun-Ra distracting Emotep. He can't open it because he needs the MacGuffin key, which Emotep has in his robes. Emotep comes after him while Rick rushes in to, to fight off the other mummies and free Evie. And we get this fantastic CGI mummy fight where Rick is just like hacking and slashing his way through mummies. And then they beat him down and hold him down while another mummy comes up with a tombstone about to drop it on his head. And he picks up a severed mummy hand, which grabs his sword and then uses it to chop the legs off of the mummy, which falls backward, crushing itself with the tombstone. Well, he's lucky that it fell backwards and not forwards. That Right. <laughs> but in my head, I was just like, sweep the legs, Johnny. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan starts to read an inscription on the front of the book and awakens mummified soldiers who come marching out. If he can finish the inscription, he can control the soldier mummies, but he can't figure out the inscription, so they go after Rick. So <laughs> He's like, I don't know what this one is. Well, what does it look like? <laughs> right. A bird? A but, stalk? <laughs> but this is the second time where Rick roars at the mummies, but they all roar back and do the stretchy mouth thing. And he's like, yeah, no, and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> So the soldier mummies chase after Rick, Anaxuna Moon, uh, mummy Anaxuna Moon chases after Evie, and Emotep chases Jonathan. Evie and Jonathan are yelling back and forth, like you said, about what, what the last hieroglyphic is. He, he's able to finish the incantation and six the mummies on Anaxuna Moon. So the soldier mummies go after her and kill her. Emotep freaks out and goes to kill Jonathan, but Rick lops his arm off and he drops Jonathan. Not before Jonathan can steal the MacGuffin key from his robes. Emotep just picks back up his arm and puts it on. Like it's he's a fucking transformer. <laughs> I love that. He's more like a Gobot. A Gobot, yes. <laughs> he is he is more a Gobot. I agree. A Gargamel bot. Um <laughs> Did you say Gargamel butt or bot? Gargamel bot. Okay. Bot. <laughs> but, so he uh you know he starts beating the shit out of Rick. And uh, he picks Rick up and we get the stupid stretchy mouth gimmick again while Jonathan and Evie try to figure out the incantation that will stop him. Evie figures it out, reads it from the book, and a ghost chariot comes rushing out of a portal and pulls Emotep's soul out of his body, dragging it to the afterlife and turning him mortal once more. Emotep rushes at Rick, who stabs him with a sword. Emotep staggers backward into the CGI pool of souls where he is melted away while saying death is only the beginning. Meanwhile, we see Benny trying to drag more treasure out of the tomb and sets his bag down on what turns out to be a lever. The lever lowers and we begin the sequence of the, the tomb sealing up like everything starts collapsing in on itself. Evelyn and the others rush to get out of the passages as they seal shut. They end up losing the book and, of course, the treasure. Um, and, and there's a scene. It always makes me fucking squirm where Benny is trying to escape the treasure room. 
and Rick tries to help him as the ceiling is like coming closer and closer and closer down mm-hmm. and he can't get to him. And we see Benny have to like run back into the treasure room before it's completely, you know, crushes him. And like, he's all the way down to the floor and it like almost gets his legs. Like the, every time I'm squirming, I'm like, ah, fuck. That's such a horrible way to go. And Rick's just like, bye, Benny. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Benny doesn't make it out and ends up locked in the treasure room. Suddenly, we see a swarm of CGI scarabs come out from everywhere, and Benny's torch goes out. We hear chomping and screaming in the darkness. So, Benny did. So, Rick, Evie, and Jonathan make their way out and run out of the city of Hominoptera as it sinks beneath the sands. And then, surprise! Ardeth Bay is alive and sitting on a camel! With his <laughs> hand wrapped in cord? Yeah, I I don't get it. It was because very Rick's, Because Rick's one hand is wrapped in, like, black cord... I don't, I don't know. I didn't notice that, but I love it though. Cause Artith Bay is just like, he puts his hand on Jonathan who screams. Cause you know, they ran toward him, but somehow didn't see him sitting on the camel. And... <laughs> he, they thought he was a mirage. They were so <laughs> like, they were just so heightened from what There's... they just lived through. Right. But then he's like, you have the respect of me and my people. Peace out bitches. It just takes off. He's like, so, and Jonathan's like, all right, so we're just going to stay here. Well, and then Jonathan comments, I guess we're going home empty-handed again. And then Rick says, I wouldn't say that. And he and Evie smooch. They smooch, and then they Eskimo kiss, and then, like, touch foreheads. And that's just so fucking dumb. (laughs) It is. (laughs) And then the three of them ride the camels into the sunset, and we see that one of the camels has treasure in the saddlebags from when Benny was loading them up. Credits that's when, the end. <laughs> that's when Shane's like, that poor fucking camel. He's right? got two people and all that fucking treasure that Betty could barely carry out. I'm like, well, and, that's why he's the bigger camel. And when he put it on the camel, the camel was like, Mah! like it was pissed earlier. <laughs> that <laughs> so camel load. I was going to say, that camel is like, motherfuckers, he's pissed. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's that's the end of The Mummy. Um, again, I, I like the final action sequences quite a lot, but the CG, man, it's, there's just so much, so much of it. (laughs) I really like how, um, when they're getting to Hamanoptera, Evie and Imhotep and Benny, he's like, you know, trying to be like, I got a big dick. I got a gun on you, bitch. And she's like, she basically looks at him and says, little men like you always get their comeuppance. And he's like, oh, really? do they? And he's like, yes. And then he really does get his comeuppance. Yeah, but he looks, because at first he looks like he's trying to be badass, like, oh, do they? And then she's like, yes. And he's like, really? <laughs> like, he looks nervous. But it's like, well, Benny, you going to get fucked. Yep. yep Actually, yep, now yep. that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I've seen a movie where he doesn't get fucked over in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> like, he might live, but he gets fucked over, you know? Oh, man. But so there's there's a ton of trivia on this film. If you guys want to look up on IMDb, but so, some of the the higher points that I grabbed um, that apparently Brendan Frazier uh, nearly died in the scene where his character was being hanged. He he stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. Yeah, I did see that. I was like, holy shit. And uh, this is possibly not true, but I really hope it is true. 
that uh, Benny, when Benny is trying to put the gold on, on the camel and he's trying to like pull the camel out, the camel is like fighting back and won't budge. Apparently all of the camels for some reason hated Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true, but I really want it to be like, for some reason, the camels are just like, fuck that guy. I don't <laughs> like him. <laughs> um, a cloak lent by the British costume rental company, uh, angels was worn by an extra in this film and was discovered to have been, uh, been the cloak made for Sir Alec Guinness for, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in star Wars, 1977. So one of the cloaks in this movie is actually Obi-Wan's cloak. Which, nice. That's pretty damn rad. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. Apparently Clive Barker was once attached to this project uh, and it was supposed to be a low budget horror film. And his vision for the film was basically a violent uh, story revolving around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a cultist trying to reanimate mummies. So I was like, that seems like it could have been a cool horror movie, but never. I agree. Also, George Romero was attached to the movie and they said that it was very similar to Night of the Living Dead. So. But they wanted something not scary. They wanted something you know, more, more in this vein, more of an action serial type thing. Um, this one, I, I just had to comment on Kevin O'Connor had been roughed up so much during fil- the, during the filming of the scene where, uh, Benny is like breaking down Chamberlain's room. He gets roughed up so bad and bruised that they said his nipples had to be iced afterward. I was like, what? Why? Did wow. His nipples have to be iced? And again, purple this- nipple. This could be that that IMDb fuckery, but I really hope it's true, because what the fuck? Like, I'm good here and here, not so much in the nipple region. <laughs> so was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone also considered for the role <laughs> of Rick O'Connell? No, but I did, because I, I, was, I was hoping for that. But according to the list, it's Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Chris O'Donnell, Matthew McConaughey, Bruce Campbell, and Kurt Russell were all considered for the role of Rick O'Connell. Wow. I, and again, IMDb fuckery. Yep. Um, and then a, cu- a couple last things. Uh, the filmmakers reportedly spent 15 million of the 80 million budget on special effects. So, or on the visual effects um, from Industrial Light and Magic. So all of the, the CGI stuff cost them 15 million. Which back in nineties, in that's, that's a lot more. <laughs> but, and then the last thing I found kind of funny is Blixa Bargeld. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong of the band Einsterzen Neubauten is credited as having provided the spirit voices. So uh, my goth, my inner goth teen was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was ogre. I know. Right. Get a little skinny puppy action. Mm hmm. But uh, yeah, no, so overall, I think this is a fantastic film, a lot of fun, uh, feels good to be back. You know, I, I enjoyed our little hiatus, but I'm, I'm ready for more Boogeyman's Closet. And um, so for anyone listening to this, uh, like, like we had said in our Halloween episode, the uh, new format, as you heard in this, there's, there's going to be a little bit of changes here and there. We'll find our, our way, like I said. Uh, we are going to be taking breaks. That's that's the other big part of the the new format. So it'll almost be like in seasons. So this is kind of season one of our new format. Uh, we'll be taking the month of November off. So we're going to 
we're going to go up through October. We're going to take off November. And then we're going to come back in December with our Christmas episodes and continue there until I believe May. I think uh, May will probably, or I'm sorry, no, April. We're going to take off April and we'll come back in May because May is our anniversary month. So we'll be doing a little break, you know, a couple times a year. Um, kind of give us a chance to recharge our batteries and, and, you know, to not let this become a slog because that was the main thing. We all have fun doing this, but we want it to, co- to continue being fun and not feel like work. Um, so hopefully you guys are cool with that. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to bring a lot more energy to the show and have a lot more fun with this moving forward. I know this episode for me was a blast. I hope you guys feel the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. And, um, yeah. We'll, we'll continue rocking these out. So uh, for anyone who's not following us on social media, we are still The Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. And Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's Though. Thank you very much. We do have a Patreon, which will be starting back up in, uh, well, this month. Uh, it's $3 a month for all of our unedited audio content, as well as an exclusive episode every month. Um, the higher tiers will get you art in the mail and like chances to pick episodes, stuff like that. Like you heard in, in June, uh, one of our patrons picked um, Psycho Gorman. Psycho so Mike O'May. Yeah. And that was a great, that was a great time. I'm so uh, mad. I was, I'm not mad. I had yeah, a death was, in the family, but I'm really, uh, a, it's unfortunate I had to miss that because I love that movie. Yeah, it was definitely not the same without you. But and that is a, it's such a fun film. Um, and I'm sure it is something we will reference many, many times going forward. Um, I also want to watch that guy's other films. There's 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 a, there's a movie called Father's Day I haven't seen that he's done. I'm curious about. But I uh, want my cake. <laughs> right. We still got to do the other creep show movies or at least mm-hmm. at least creep show, too. I don't know about part three. Part three is only has one good episode, in my opinion. Um, but we are also part of the rad pantheon. So if you guys like this podcast and want to check out others, uh, of the same ilk, um, and just a lot of cool artists and musicians, basically rad people doing rad stuff, check out rad pantheon on all the social medias and radpantheon.com where you can find other podcasts like this. And like I said, cool musicians, cool artists. So definitely check it out. It's worth your time. A lot of great people. Uh, our next episode is going to be episode 146 sleepy hollow. Also, I believe from 1999, right? I believe so. I think it's from 99. Well, we'll, and it's got we'll Johnny that. Depp. It's a Tim Burton film. Is this our first Tim? No, we did Beetlejuice. Okay, I was like, yeah, I right. had to stop and think for a minute. I was like, holy shit, is this our first Burton? But uh, but yeah, so I, I I won't ruin it here, but I'm looking forward to Sleepy Hollow. I, Me I too. haven't watched it in years, but that was a big favorite of mine in the early, late 90s, early 2000s. The early aughts. The early aughts. But all right, guys, so uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up here. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Valkyrie wants you to tell her, ask her if she knows how cute she is. And I'm Susie. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.